Hey there, my gorgeous, beautiful little weirdos. Um, I hope you're having a decent day. I hope you are feeling like a rock star in your own special way. Um, today is a very special day as well for me. Um, it's our first episode. I'm kind of excited, kind of scared, um, you know, just kind of nervous overall. At the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, it is fun doing this, and I hope you guys have fun with me. Okay, so today, uh, based on the title, we are talking about neurosis uh, and neuroticism. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing either of those correctly, but um, that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> now, these both are very different types of mental ways to describe uh, either mental illness or a mental personality. And we'll get more into that. Basically, I got really into this. Um, I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday. I just went down a rabbit hole. It was super intense. Like, uh, I was reading the news because I decided to educate myself on the world, I guess. And I went into this study where they proved um, that ASMR does, in fact, reduce anxiety within individuals um, that, you know, actually experience ASMR in this study. Now, ASMR is different for everybody. Like, I'm telling you, like, what they're describing, I feel, but not with ASMR videos. Um, so I wouldn't, I would be where they reference an ASMR non-experiencer. Uh, because, like, I don't feel that way about certain noises that they do in ASMR videos. But I feel that way about music and certain keys and certain ways people harmonize. And so that's where I feel like what they describe um, as brain tingles. Now, those are killers. I love a good brain tingle. It's just like the most amazing experience ever. And it's really, it. that's what drawed me in initially, just to read this entire article and go through the entire difference of both of these because I honestly was very confused um, I was like, okay, so what's going on? Um, so neurosis is actually a flattened term. It's dated very old. No one really uses it anymore, like professionally. And it's basically to describe all mental illnesses in one hot spot. Um, so like in the 1950s, they would just use neurosis to describe depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, um, you know, any kind of uh, very popular mental disorder. They would just put them all in one hat and be like, you're all this and we're all putting you in mental institutions. <laughs> so that was not good. And so later on, they found out, obviously, through education that these are all different things and now anything that would have previously been put under neurosis is actually put under um either depression or anxiety or you know different types of anxiety uh you know ptsd ocd things like that that's where that goes yes i actually ended up looking all of this up because of this one article um going and then 
you know, like this shows that like that is part of like what we talk about on a daily basis when we talk about mental illness. What I found interesting is that they go really into neuroticism. Now, neuroticism, again, I am saying this wrong. Do not quote me ever. I know dick about shit. Um, <laughs> neuroticism is trait anxiety. I was dumbfounded by those two words, trait anxiety. Trait anxiety is basically part of your personality. So, like, I remember, like, I'm going to date myself, like, in 2012, where, like, everybody was on, like, social media, and we were all talking about our shit, and then there were these bitches, and I'm going to call them bitches, does not mean that they were all women, that would say, oh my god, like, that stupid girl, like, she makes, like, depression her personality, like, that's so unoriginal, it's so basic, no. That is not the case. Actually, neuroticism is one of the big five personality traits that basically tell like psychologists, psychiatrists, like it's a personality trait that tells you how you are, the way you are, and why you react to certain things certain ways. I am so serious. Um, so neuroticism basically measures how you react to bad news and where that takes you and how also how exposed you are to potentially getting you know anxiety depression even hallucinations OCD PTSD like the higher you are on the neurotic the, the neuroticism scale the more likely you are to experience these things and even be exposed to schizophrenia again blew my freaking top so I was like, okay, that's cool. Good to know. I could be crazy. And so they were, you know, honestly describing neuroticism as trait anxiety and how even like when you have high numbers, like going out to a bar or going to the grocery store, even going like to the corner to get something like it seems like so much like it gives you panic like you're just like no 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 I have to do this and like it becomes like this whole whirlwind of emotions for something so simple for like un like essentially a neurotypical person you know someone with a low neuroticism would be just like yeah I'm going to the club about what <laughs> you know and it perfectly described like I'm gonna use an example like me and my best friend like she will no problem go out to the bar um go out with her friends, have a great time, talk shit, and then, uh, you know, almost punch a guy who hit on her, right? Awesome. Me, thinking about going to a bar in, in Miami is fucking a shit show to me. Like, first of all, I have to get ready. Second of all, I have to decide what to wear. What if it's not appropriate? Blah, blah, blah. Then, I have to get in my car and drive all the way to fucking downtown. And... If you have ever been to Miami or know of Miami, it's a fucking shit show to be in downtown. And then you have to know what bar you're going to, what's the parking situation, pay for parking. And like, okay, if you're drinking, if you're doing an Uber, you have to budget for those things because an Uber, it's going to be like 20 bucks or more if they do surge pricing, especially on a Saturday, even during COVID. Uh, Cause COVID doesn't exist in Miami, 
So you have all these things, all these factors, and I'm just like, look, you know, I would just rather stay home. I, I'm good, you know, like that's like, that's where my brain goes. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm good. Like I'll stay home. I'll watch a Netflix movie, probably to call it, you know, snuggle up with my dog, call it a night. That's how I live. And that's perfectly fine. I'm not judging myself like I used to real hard because like I'm like why am I not exposing myself to these things and it's just like that's not where my interest lies and I shouldn't hold myself to those standards of like sex in the city 2005 you know like that's just not realistic to me also like that's just it's not a thing I'm interested in honestly so I was like, okay, this makes total sense as to why when I'm not changing about my personal life, now you know way too much about me, but that's fine. That's what this is for. <laughs> um, so it went into the, my personality and I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll just take a personality test now just to know where I land. Why fucking not, you know? So I ended up doing the personality test and I'm going to pull up my results. Give me a minute. And we're going to go through my actual personality because why not know what kind of shit show you're getting into with this person you absolutely know nothing about. <laughs> okay, so we're back. Um, I found my test results and I actually had, um, you know, very different test results than I anticipated. So I did mine with Truity. Um, so on Truity.com, you can pull up. They can give you a big five test result, which is what I did. Um, if you want, they give you the basic results for free. But if you want to go more in depth, I think it's 25, no, 20 bucks to pay it. And uh, you get an account and you get more into what your results mean for you. Um, now, so for the big five, there's openness. It's called ocean. So there's openness, conscientiousness, ex extraversion, <laughs> extraversion. So like your extrovertedness, ag agreeableness, and neuroticism. I I can't pronounce. I'm not. You know, we try every day. <laughs> um. So for my openness score, I scored a seventy-five percent, and the average is actually fifty-eight. So a person with high openness actually, you know, is open to high ideas, is more artistic, um, open to cultural pursuits, um, they're imaginative, they put quote unquote original and creative. And I was like, you know, I consider myself these things, but also I, it feels like gloating a little bit. Anyways, People with low openness are very practical, traditional, conventional, and conservative and habitual. So, you know, you always go for your habits. And the thing is, I'm actually very into being practical and very into what's conventional. I'm not conservative, but I do like habits. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good habit person, you know? Um, but also, like... <laughs> some days I'm like fuck habit you know so on the 75% yes I do understand like where you know that comes in in this sense like I am kind of creative I do have a crazy imagination my google talks will tell you that 
and um you know i'm artistic to an extent and unconventional at times so for you know for what it is i think that's pretty okay um (laughs) and they definitely go in for me so i'm gonna read something really quick um, it goes because you have high in you are high in openness. You are more likely to appreciate art, music, and various cultural activities. You may notice that you are more interested in such things than the average person. Your mind is better able to process loosely connected ideas, and so you're more apt to appreciate, say, a sculpture of an elephant built out of forks. And yes, that would be cool as fuck. While many people would find such a thing bizarre, you enjoy considering the meaning of things and working to understand how seemingly unrelated the ideas might be connected. Very, very true. I would sit there and think about it for like a hot second. Moving on (laughs) to conscientiousness. Um, In conscientiousness, uh, the average is 55. I got a 52. So conscient, con, conscient, you know, con, conscientiousness uh, describes a person's tendency to be persistent and determined in achieving their goals. People who are high in conscientiousness tend to work hard and put their plans into actions, while people who are low tend to change course and get distracted easily. And I am both um, more distracted than um, motivated, let me tell you. Um, some words to describe people with high conscientiousness would be orderly, dependable, determined, ambitious, dutiful. People with low conscientiousness are spontaneous, adaptable, impulsive, disorganized, and haphazard. So here is where I personally think I lie. So like I am very dependable in my life. Unfortunately, um, I think of it as like both a bonus and a flaw in that sense. I'm not very ambitious. Like I'm okay with being mediocre at all times. Uh, Determined if I want to prove someone wrong, I fucking will. And um, orderly to an extent. At my job, very much so. Everywhere else in my life, no. Also on vacation for some reason. Like I'm really into doing an itinerary. Um, people with low conscientiousness are, you know, you know, spontaneous. I actually don't like spontaneity. Like I like conditional spontaneity where I can handle doing certain things, but like when it gets to a certain level of like, let's go to Tahiti tomorrow. I'm like, I no, I can't, I can't do that. You know, like I, it's unfathomable. Like I'm freaking out just thinking about that. Like, hell no. Um, I am very adaptable though, like in my job, in my life, I can just, life is throwing punches at me, I can take that shit like a fucking beast, you know? I am very impulsive, hence this podcast and all my Amazon purchases. Disorganized, yes, my room is a fucking mess. And haphazard, you know, I have haphazard thoughts, not so much actions, because I tell people that love me and then they tell me to not. Um, that's how that goes. Um, where I fit in, let me just see, uh, where they think I fit in. Um, your level of personal organization is likely to be average. Very true. You probably keep some areas in your life 
in better order than others. You may make a special effort to be organized at work where it is more crucial while letting yourself slack a bit at home. An average amount of disorder does not bother you, although you may feel disconcerned if your surroundings are in total disarray. This is very true. You may benefit from an or from using organizational systems and tools to impose more structure on the way you do things. Um, I'm going to say no because I hate everybody else's organizational systems. I like my own. Okay. Moving on to extroversion. It sounds like I'm saying extroversion. <laughs> like, I mean, facts, but also like... What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so extroversion describes a person's tendency to be energized by being around other people. So your socialization levels here. Obviously, low levels, you're introverted. High levels, you're extroverted, right? So my score was a 44. The average is a 51. So people with high extroversion scores are enthusiastic, energetic, excitable, friendly, and gregacious, whatever that fucking SAT word means. And people with low extroversion are reserved, calm, aloof, introspective, and quiet. Now, here's the thing. Here's the fickle of the pickle. I am a Capricorn. In my big six, half of them are Capricorn. I'm not telling you which half is which because honestly, I don't remember. I have the memory of a peanut, you know? So I am enthusiastic when I go out, but only with certain people in certain situations. I'm hella reserved. I'm hella calm all the fucking time. I have been told I have a soothing presence and a healing aura, which I take as a compliment, but I find it very, very strange. I am aloof, hella, my best friend can tell you that, and attest to it. Introspective, have no idea what that means. And quiet, no, I'm not. I mean, if you first meet me out on the streets, yes. Um, if you get to know me as a person, um, no. You will think, oh my god, when is she going to shut up? She's so fucking annoying. <laughs> Facts. Now, I have this weird-ass trauma response where my first thought is to be super friendly. So... I will be super intense when you first meet me and like that is a turnoff for a lot of people. Honestly, for me, it is also a turnoff, but I will match energies. Um, excitable, not really energetic. What is that? What even is that? And gregacious, I'm not even going to get into that. So where they think I fit in, I'm going to read a little excerpt. <laughs> Because you're moderately extroverted, you have typical response to positive stimuli. You get excited when you see the opportunity to do something particularly fun and rewarding, but you do not spend your life chasing the thrills like a more extroverted, extroverted person might. You enjoy making people, uh, making you friends, sorry, <laughs> making you friends, but may not always feel up to socializing with lots of new people. And this is facts. So I recently started a new job. It started as a work from home. I got an alert, I think last week, that we are starting to work in office. Uh, and last week was my first week in office for three days. When I tell you I am so exhausted, I literally have slept all of Friday afternoon. 
all of Saturday and I'm probably going to sleep all of Sunday and it feels like I took drugs to feel this sleepy. Like that's where we're at. And it's because I'm recuperating my social energy. I had to meet all my new coworkers. I had to like, you know, save face, obviously. I don't know these people. We got to try our best to like look normal, I guess. And like that social exhaustion of being in the car for a fucking hour during rush hour to and fro, I will fucking kill myself every day. Like I'm not, I'm still not used to it. And mind you, it's in the same location that I've worked before. It's just like the drive. I've gotten so used to not driving that just doing that drive is fucking killer, dude. Um, like I just, it's, it's too much. And, um, but we're going to get used to it. I was actually really excited on, on the first day cause I finally got to meet people and be around people and like, I feed off that energy. So like most definitely they're on point. Like I just felt like really like called out with this kind of, all right, onto agreeableness. Um, <laughs> so agreeableness describes an individual's tendency to put the needs of others above their own. Now, I'm consider myself very charitable um, to the people that I care about. Talk about me all you like. I'm not a huge charity person. It's just like a matter of personal opinion. Also, I don't get it, but sure. And it sounds really shitty, but um, that's where I stand. So I'm not getting into that. So like my score is a 50 and the average is at a 63 so people are nicer than i am that's cool (laughs) nice to know but i will say if like we're friends and you're like like we've been there for a hot second i will do anything for you like it's a very it's a very intense situation So people with high agreeableness are accommodating, helpful, sympathetic, selfless, altruistic. And then people with low agreeableness are competitive, argumentative, self-interested, rational, and brash. What the fuck is up with these SAT words? Anyways, so on top of being a Capricorn, I am also an only child. Now, (laughs) that's where this comes in. I have been an only child my entire life. Sharing has never been a thing that I prefer to do. I wasn't taught to do it correctly, nor do I care to do it correctly. Honestly, you know, life is a scam anyways. (laughs) So, I am accommodating to a fault. It's very, very horrible. Um, I'm helpful, you know, like I, the thing is that I used to be a people pleaser and I took this now when I've like kind of diminished those traits for myself and I appreciate that for myself. Like, you know, a lot of self growth. We love that about her. And so I can see how like my answers would have not reflected that in this situation. Um, but you know, Again, I'm accommodating. I do all these things for people that I know and that I trust. Um, People that I don't know, I wouldn't drop everything at the, you know, I wouldn't drop everything at a dime of a hat. That's a wrong expression. Um, For, like, Joe from across the street. I don't know fucking Joe, you know? Um, 
I am empathetic though, like very, very like sympathetic is not really my thing. I am very argumentative though, like that's that's facts. These are all facts. I'm not gonna lie. So where I fit in all this is because you do not identify much with emotions of others. It is not the central importance to you that you make other people feel good. Although you probably don't actively work against others, you're not motivated much to make other people feel happy, content, or comfortable. It's facts. Not anymore. You would rather spend your time pursuing your own interests and doing things that have a personal impact for you. Very, very true. Mostly because um, for the past 20 years, I have not thought about myself. So we're, you know, working on that. Um, but, you know, I do um, give off the cuff compliments all the time. If anybody ever needs help, I'm always there to see it. But I have to have like to be that person. I have to have some semblance of report because if not, it just doesn't make sense. Like I cannot just like do charity work. It doesn't make sense for me. It's not there for me, guys. <clears throat> okay, so the last one, our N in ocean. No neurotism. The reason that we are here. The reason that we are here with the train anxiety. <laughs> so neuroticism, in accordance to charity, describes an individual's response to stress. High neurot High neurotic people are susceptible to anxiety, depression, anger, and other negative emotions. When subject to stressful conditions, people on low neuroticism resist stress and tend to not experience many negative emotions. Yeah. So, the average score is a 54. My score is a 79. (laughs) Now, I find that like a personal best. Like, I don't know why I have a personal pride in that because like, who is she? So people with high scores are vulnerable, unstable, anxious, moody, self-conscious. People with low scores are stable, resilient, optimistic, self-confident, and carefree. What does that sound like for my people out there that have high, that have low scores What's it like to be you? Like, I really, it must be nice to some extent. Obviously, like the grass is always greener on the other side, but like, let me know. Like, I'm curious, you know, um, um, so where I fit in with this is because I have high scores, I'm more likely to be alert to danger signals in my environment. It's very true. It's very true. I know where all the exits are at all times, and I always feel like someone is chasing me. So I am always aware to, you know, backtrack and not make sure I'm trackable. I don't have enemies, but like, you know, just in case. Who knows? You know, it's crazy out there. You often interpret people or situations as threatening, causing anxiety. In social situations, you are likely to sense uh, that you are being evaluated harshly or rejected by others. You are a vigilant observer of any cue that might signal impending doom. Yes, and then I take that signal and then I throw it on the floor and I go anyways. I am very self-destructive. And am I self-aware enough to do this as a first episode podcast? 
hell the fuck yeah who am i to say anything see we're here to show growth and like maybe down the line this may not be true anymore but as of right now this is what it is and um you know did i feel really shitty after seeing this hell the fuck yeah because like I don't feel like it sounds like I'm a very good person, and I think I'm pretty decent. Um, It says a lot about my ego, but we're not going to get into that. Um, (laughs) And it just puts things into perspective. Like, the way we think about ourselves, no one else thinks about it, because, like, I know I'm an asshole. I know I'm, like, like, I do all these things. And it's unintentional or intentional, whatever the situation may be. Most times it's unintentional because I'm a freaking oblivious to fucking everything. And people will tell me, I'm like, yo, I'm a fucking asshole. Like, I will tell you straight to your face, like, I'm an asshole. And people who know me, they're like, you're really not. You're like the nicest person I've ever seen. And I'm like, that's because I respect you to some semblance. But like, I literally ghosted my ex with no regrets. Like... We had one bad conversation and I said, you know, this is where I call time of death. And it's been like three months and I have not heard anything from him. Do I regret it? No. Honestly, I just don't like confrontation and I lost all respect for him somewhere along the way. So (laughs) that's where that happened. Oh, yeah. And then like I obviously bought my results because that's how you can see all of this. They just really give you the first one, uh, which is openness, like the details. I bought it. So like when you buy it, you also get uh, the core patterns, interpersonal patterns. Like you get more details into like your patterns and that just hurts your brain. And also it's a lot of patterns. So I'm just going to do the core ones. So for my core patterns, which one of them is empathetic idealist an analytical thinker, practical caretaker, and logical mechanic. My empathetic idealist and analytical thinker are my biggest scopes, and they're both split in half. So it's basically like I use my creativeness to get insight on others, and it's facts, because I give my best friend the best advice for things I have never experienced. And my analytical thinker part... Um, makes rational and complex analysis of things and tis facts uh because okay so my best friend is a pisces i am a capricorn i don't know it works i love her um and so she'll go off in dreamland and i'll be like but this is why that's not gonna work and she'll be like you know you have such a valid point so that's why that exists and those are my results I forgot what we were doing and completely went off kilter. But yes, these are my results for my neuroticism tests with the big five. I feel like it was a decent transition um, in the terms of neurosis, which I know I just briefly went into. I was more excited to get to the results because that's literally like from that point, that's where my brain went. In the sense of like how we went down this rabbit hole. It was very ADHD in that sense. I'm not officially diagnosed. um, But, you know, I feel like everybody 
um, especially after COVID. I read somewhere that like now more ADHD is prevalent because of like how we all were like stuck in our house for COVID. And, um, you know, it was just like an overall response of like, we really can't focus on one thing anymore because that's not how the world works for us anymore. Like after being enclosed and encapsulated for so long and, you know, trying to entertain ourselves when our jobs were like some of us, like for me, I lost my job for COVID, you know? So like when some of us lose jobs or like we can't have jobs because of whatever's going on in our homes or, you know, dealing with whatever you may have when we were in lockdown. Um, anyways, um, so going back to neurosis, um, you know, it's, it really speaks on like how far we've gone in the sense of mental health, in the sense of, you know, that whole spectrum of mental health and, and treating it correctly from, you know, where I know I'm not a professor in psychology or psychology psychiatry um but you know i i was terrified terrified utterly terrified to go to therapy um because i was convinced based on my limited knowledge as a teenager that if i went to therapy they would think i'm crazy and they would submit me into a psych ward and then i would somehow be locked in I would never see my family again and I would get a lobotomy and then I would never be me that was the train of thought I went down and for the longest time my even my mom like there was points where my mom's like do you want to go to therapy I'm like no I'm not crazy thanks though I'm fine and I was in denial for so many years and there came a point after college I was in the workforce I think it was like my first corporate job and like it was a very toxic environment um but we're out of there and you know it was so toxic and like my home life has toxic aspects um just like everybody you know to some degree has that in their lives and I just couldn't I couldn't take it anymore and I finally went and I went to therapy and it wasn't that bad. It was okay. It wasn't anything crazy. You know, you talk to somebody and they help you see that you're not actually insane. You're just like going a little off there and we're just going to bring you back. And that's exactly what we did. Um, I still, you know, have my daily situations where I'm just like, you know, just like everyone. Uh, you know, we all have our struggles. Um, everybody struggles differently. And I respect everybody for their struggles, whether your struggle be that Tommy won't ask you to prom or you can't pay the bills this month. I don't invalidate any kind of struggles because where you're at in life, that is your big fish. And I appreciate you for tackling it on. That's your white whale. I appreciate you for trying to hook that bitch and fucking kill her because she ain't easy. I know that from personal experience. So, like, seeing how far we've gone, coming back to the point, I'm sorry, but I also just want to applaud all y'all for just, like, doing your best every day, you know? It's not easy. Um, 
But, you know, coming back to the point, seeing how far we've gone, I love how, you know, it went from just one blanket term of neurosis where, you know, everybody's insane to, you know, having that separation where, you know, you have anxious neurosis, which is our basic anxiety, which is extreme, uh, you know, like not basic, but like the scope of anxiety where you, um, either get panic attacks, you have physical symptoms, tremors, sweating, that kind of stuff. Then there's the depressive neurosis. Now here, you know, depression and anxiety have different scopes for everybody. But on here, we're talking about the extreme sense. Um, So severe depression and severe anxiety is what they're describing. Um, And, you know, where you lose interest in activities that once pleasured you. And then... Um, also there's, uh, obsessive compulsive, which is OCD, which is with intrusive thoughts and behaviors or mental acts, um, that need to be repeated or being deprived of cues that can cause distress, distress. So, you know, um, a lot of people, which I've learned, I used to do this, but I've learned to like not do this anymore. And it's doing the, oh my God, I'm so OCD because I, clean certain things or I like seeing certain things organized that's not the case it's actually very serious um you know I've coined that and put it way way back in my purse um it's not appropriate anymore you know because we're learning every day and um you know it's it's very serious and it, it hurts a lot of people. Like I have a friend who suffers from OCD and, um, I feel for her on some sense. Like I have no idea, like I cannot imagine being that person, but like I feel for her and I hope she does. Okay. <laughs> like, I feel like she, she's doing good right now cause she seeked help and she got medication and sometimes it, you need, you know, you need that. And then there's also what they consider war and combat neurosis, which is now known as uh, PTSD, which you can see it in homelessness. Also, like with people who've dealt with sexual assault, uh, people who've dealt with going to war. Um, that tends to be the most prevalent one. But, you know, everybody has a different sense of PTSD. And uh, most definitely that does affect you mentally. Um and, you know, we just try to, and I love how, you know, they brought it out and they're showing it, but, you know, the progression that we see that these things are real and, um, that they go as far as to affect us to cause hallucinations, I find that incredibly insane. Like, every time someone mentions a hallucination, I just think about uh, that Grey's Anatomy episode where Izzy was dealing with her tumor. And it was so strong that she hallucinated having sex with her dead husband. Are you kidding me? That's insane. Like, I can't, I still can't get over that. And it's been like a couple years since I've seen that episode. Now, on the website, like, the way I looked up the research was with Medical News Today. I'll put all the links to um, the article and, you know, the articles that I've used to give you all this information. And um, the diagnosis that they say is, obviously, go see a professional. 
Um, obviously, if you're comfortable, if you can um, financially go see a therapist um, or a psychiatrist, you can definitely talk with your provider um, to see if you can see if that's about something that you can do. Most definitely, I recommend therapy to those who can and want to. Like, again, whenever you're ready, everyone's in a different place. And wherever you are is your place. Um, You know, don't let anybody else's expectations or um, treatment tell you differently because that's false. Wherever you are in life, that's where you're meant to be. You know, everyone has different growths. And this is where your growth is taking you, whether it be a nine to five job in a corporate office, um, starting your first podcast episode, um, starting that new job on Monday where you moved 4,000 miles away from your family just to like get this job. And, but it's also your passion. It's also like something that you're excited about, even if it's not your passion, it's something that excites you. And even if you're just working day to day at, I don't know, Taco Bell, you know, just trying to make ends meet, trying to provide for your family, like I applaud you for wherever you're at in life because it's not easy to just like, you know, try to lift up to others' expectations, try to follow some of these self-help books that, you know, have valid, you know, they have some good advice, but like just because they wake up at 5 a.m. and say that they wake up at 5 a.m. and that's the reason that they're successful is fucking false. Like, that's, like, you waking up at 5 a.m. is not going to change the fact that right, that you're successful. Like, right now, it is 3 o'clock in the morning and am I going to wake up at 5 a.m. to prove my success to some bottlehead blonde who's making millions from a book with half-assed uh you know advice with no scientific basis on success hell no i'm gonna sleep until two probably go eat something and then do something else i don't know um clean my house maybe i don't know it's the weekend let's see how it pans out like again nothing in life is granted Like, the only thing that you have granted was yesterday and today. Tomorrow? I don't know. What if, like, the world ends tomorrow? It's pretty bleak, but, like, facts. Like, are you really gonna, like, put yourself in that perspective, in that mindset? I mean, you know, having goals is great. And it should motivate you to go further in your life. But don't let it put so many expectations in you that it debilitates you from, like, living your life and living your life doesn't mean you have to go out every weekend or you know travel every six months no living your life could literally be just hanging around your house if that's what makes you happy let it be your happiness and this got really dark and really heavy really fucking quick and I just wanted to end it on like somewhat of a positive note of giving you guys some like input some advice I guess like again I know dick about shit like I'm just trying here but you know I feel like a lot of people I tell these things to like you know it may not be something that you want to hear right now but maybe it'll be something that you need to hear 
just to put yourself into perspective because like take care of you like no one else will you know but yeah I'm gonna end this episode now because I love you guys and I just met you and you just met me um but now you know way more about me than you did when this first started and hopefully our next episode will not be as crazy or insane as this one um but yeah love you guys thanks for staying and I hope you have a great rest of your day